0: Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong.
1: Thank you, Evan. Today's guest is John Webster, Director of the Hogan Entrepreneurial Program at Chaminade University. John held communications and government relations positions in IBM in the United States, Europe, and Asia for over 20 years. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, John Webster. Welcome to our show, John.
2: Thank you, Carrie. Evan, good to be here.
1: Could you tell us a little bit about the Hogan Entrepreneur Program?
2: Okay, this is a program at Chaminade University. It's four years old. We've just recruited our fifth class. And it's a program that's funded by the Hogan Family Foundation in Los Angeles. That is a foundation that grew out of a company called Pleasant Holiday. And many of you have heard of Pleasant Holiday. That was started by Ed and Lynn Hogan and they sold that business to the automobile club of southern california a number of years ago started a foundation and engaged in a great number of philanthropic activities but one of the things they're doing they're they're really committed to this notion that that through commerce a lot of the social problems of the world can be solved and so one of their objectives is to provide entrepreneurial support as well so they have given a grant to gonzaga university in spokane washington and more recently to Shamanad University to start and, uh, and and structure entrepreneurial programs. And so that's what we've done. We're into our, as I say, into our fifth year, and we're very fortunate to have their support.
0: Your program, though, is a different slant, though. It's, you're actually slanted towards social entrepreneurship, though, aren't you?
2: Not s- slanted, Evan, would be an overstatement, but we certainly do a lot of that. And for perhaps for a variety of reasons, Shamanad University Small liberal arts college, 50 years old this year, rough, just less than, just fewer than 3,000 students, but a a Marinist, uh, a Catholic university with very, with fundamental concerns for social programs, very involved in issues of social justice, things of this nature. So it's natural that an entrepreneurial program at Chaminade would have an interest in social activities. Also, if you think about the, the kind of student that we would find in Hawaii a very significant percentage of those students will find their way back in to the to the social sector the nonprofit sector possibly government sector as well so what we're trying to do is prepare Chaminade's better students to leave equipped to start and do new things now for some it may be the traditional entrepreneurial route but for others it'll be in the nonprofit area or perhaps even in government so We're really trying to address all of those sectors.
1: Now, is it really difficult to get into the program?
2: It is. uh, We try to make it that way. As I said a minute ago, we're really after Chaminade's better students. You have to have a B average or better to get in. You have to be a junior, a senior, or a grad student. You have to have a reasonably uh, rigorous interview, in which through that interview we try to gauge whether you're serious about this entrepreneurial leadership program and I've just injected the word leadership because that's really a lot of what we're about as well and so we want to be sure that the student is either has a demonstrated background in in leadership or some newfound genuine interest in the nature of entrepreneurial work
0: so in your opinion you think entrepreneurship can be taught because there's a debate going on right whether it can be taught or whether you're born with these uh, skills
2: well you know it's a little bit of both for sure but for sure, if we provide the skills, we're going, and the tools, we're going to do go a long way to taking those that are innately entrepreneurially focused and give them better equipment to succeed. For those that maybe wouldn't routinely think of themselves as entrepreneurs, maybe a, a new flame will flicker. And we think that uh, we're addressing some of the things that are going to help that flame grow. So I think it's a little bit of both of them
1: what type of activities are the students involved in that would ignite this entrepreneur spirit um, or want to get more involved in the community and nonprofit sectors
2: yeah and not exclusively nonprofit but but to answer that question well you know they all many of our students are already working so they come sometimes with full-time jobs already while being a student so a number of them have a fair amount of a certain t- level of business experience coming in. Uh, what we try to do is make sure that they have the tools to succeed as entrepreneurs. So needless to say, we teach basic entrepreneurial courses. It's any major. We welcome students from any major, and in fact, more than half of our students are actually non-business majors, and we find them doing very well. You would think the business students would have a bit of an edge, but... Uh, not necessarily true. It's a it's a very nice uh, blend of and diverse blend of uh, student backgrounds. So we want to give them the tools. And we do that in two courses, fairly traditionally entrepreneurially focused. And yet, for example, our basic entrepreneurial course is taught by a social entrepreneur. Uh, you, perhaps you know James Koshiba. That's my classmate. Classmate, okay. Mm-hmm. And three-point consulting. And right. James works very closely with us and we'll be teaching what we call our 301, our junior-level entrepreneurial course. And so for the business-oriented entrepreneurs as well as the social entrepreneurs, James provides exactly the kind of underpinning that we're looking for. Then in addition to those skills or tools, we really want to focus on skills because, as I said, this is a leadership kind of program. Many of Chaminade's students are first-generation college students, and we're really we're really geared to making sure that they don't just graduate that they really have something extra to go out there and make a difference. And that's what we're striving to do here. So skills, for example, we have 13 3R skill development workshops, which added together give three credits of coursework. And we do that in their first year in the program. And those are taught by Hawaii's best trainers, the same kind of skill development you'd find in any good management training program.
1: Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio.
3: greatergoodradio.com
1: you're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is John Webster, Director of the Hogan Entrepreneur Program at Chaminade University. John held the Communications and Government Relations positions in IBM in the United States, Europe, and Asia for over 20 years. John, what struck you about this program um, when it was being offered at Chaminade that you said this is definitely something that will benefit Hawaii.
2: Yeah, Carrie I I had an opportunity most recently before coming to Chaminade to start and and then run a a fairly unique MBA program for the Singapore government that was in connection with a university called Nanyang Technological University and that program was an an MBA program we put it together with MIT to train Asia's future leaders and it, as you know, the Singapore government is well financed, and so we, we had a lot of, uh, resources to work with. But in working with Asia's future leaders, and these were young people typically in their early 30s, who were going to be ambassadors or, or executives in, in Southeast Asia largely, uh, there were a lot of things that, that I thought could transfer very nicely to the kind of entrepreneurial program we're running. Admittedly, a very different student set and a very different, bottom line objective, although we're training future leaders, and they're Hawaii's future leaders, and they're beyond Hawaii's future leaders. And so with that kind of um, experience behind me, and I was in that environment for about eight years, when I had this opportunity to start and work with these students through this Hogan Entrepreneurial Program, it was just an opportunity too good to pass up.
0: What kind of success stories are coming out of this program? Are there any businesses we may have heard of or maybe even not have heard of that yeah. are doing
2: well? Well, I guess we've got to define that in, in a lot of ways, especially in, in these early days. But, yeah, we have some in, in more traditional terms. We have a, a graduate of our program. She was an MBA student who started her own business and uh, a mold detection business. She had wonderful skills and preparation for that, was a star in our program. And uh, in her first year of operation, uh, grossed over a million dollars. So, a nice beginning. We have another young guy who's Vietnamese American, grew up in the heart of Indiana, but straight out of Vietnam, didn't speak a word of the language when he arrived in Indiana. Uh he was our outstanding graduate of our first class. He already has three different businesses, two software firms, and he just recently went back to Vietnam and bought a, a an area he's going to start a kind of a fishing lodge. So uh, very entrepreneurial. This young man, our, our outstanding graduate of the first year, as I said, got a full scholarship to Notre Dame to do his Ph.D. in computer science. So two very, very traditional, perhaps, success stories. But a lot of them in, defined in other ways. Let me give you an example. Um, we had a young man named Andy Chor from Yap, 14,000 people in Yap. He was uh, just an outstanding member of the program. There's no doubt in my mind he'll go back to Micronesia and – and do great things and he is back in Micronesia now. But Andy uh, in addition to being a solid student, to being our commencement speaker, we sent him off to a an internship in China for 6 weeks. Now, here's a guy that had never been on an airplane until he came from Yap to to the University of Chaminade, and he finds himself for 6 weeks in China on on a very a series of internships. Uh his life has changed Another another young man, very interesting. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, so I relate to this guy. He's from a place called Little Washington, Pennsylvania, outside Pittsburgh. But he, too, had never been on an airplane until he came to school at Chaminade. Joined this program. I remember him so well because I identified with the kind of roots that he had. He was a bit clumsy and a bit uh, unsure of himself and certainly not very secure in business terms. Now he was our outstanding graduate of this past year. He, too, went an internship to China. He was offered a job while he was there. He didn't take it wisely. He wasn't ready for it, but it was a just a tremendous uh, opening and new positioning of his life. And he changed from a good student to a leader, and that's really what we're trying to do. So a couple examples, and I certainly could could cite more.
1: Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. We're back with John Webster, Director of Hogan Entrepreneurial Program at Chaminade University. John, prior to being Director of the Hogan Entrepreneurial Program at Chaminade, you did work for about 25 years at IBM. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Right, Carrie. Well, most of my, well, I started like many people do at IBM. I was a, a salesman in the early days when the computers took up many rooms, many uh, the size of this one, the kind we now put on our laptop. But most of my career in IBM was in what I, we call government affairs work and public policy work. And, uh, I, I took a leave many years ago and got a PhD in business and public policy and was able to carve out a very interesting career in IBM using that kind of background. I was a lobbyist. I was, uh, um, ran public affairs and government affairs operations in Washington, in, uh, Brussels, in Hong Kong. And those were the days when the IBM company was a leader in, in social entrepreneurship and, and, and public uh, affairs activities, if you will. So it was really fortunate for me to be part of a company in the, what was really the heyday of major corporate activity. I left there in 1990 and corporations are uh, not often uh, following the footsteps that, that IBM once did, but it was a very interesting time. How'd you end up in Hawaii? Living in uh, Singapore for eight years, running the MBA program that I mentioned, but I, before I went to Singapore, I had an opportunity to be uh, head of government affairs for KPMG in Washington, and uh, but I was committed to marrying uh, a woman you met earlier, Don, who was Malaysian, and Don's idea of a compromise between Malaysia and Washington D.C. was Singapore, which is about hundred miles from Malay from Kuala Lumpur. So I gave up the best job I ever had in my life as head of government affairs for KPMG, but happily, of course, not only to marry Dawn, but to... It's a good answer. Yeah, but to be, that's right, a safe answer. She'll be listening. <laughs> well, but, but to uh, really, though, to uh, also teach at that university in Singapore. It's one of two large universities in Singapore, so it was a very nice opportunity. But then how'd you end up from Singapore to here? Oh, that's... Uh, okay, sorry, getting to that. Well, after eight years in Singapore... And, uh, 90 degree humidity most of the time. We really wanted to. Now, now I had more leverage to genuinely compromise. So, uh, getting to Hawaii was more of a compromise for a guy from Pennsylvania and a woman from Malaysia. It's just a perfect place for a, for a, a Malaysian and an American to, to, uh, settle and have their lives. We've been here now. We had a place here for about seven years. We've been here living for about four and a half years and it's, it's where we're here to stay. It's a wonderful place to be.
1: During your special assignment when you were in Washington, D.C., on your bio it said that you were trying to bridge the worlds of business, government, and academia. How were you able to do this, or what was your strategy in bridging these things? Yeah.
2: Well, you know, some of it was in fact strategy, Carrie, I guess, because one of the things we certainly teach in the classroom is the importance of planning, and I must admit I I'm accused of having been somewhat obsessed with planning. And so for me, part of that was government as well as business. I I alluded to my business experience. The academic experience, I've been an adjunct uh, professor anywhere I've worked, and that includes George Washington University and American University and University of Connecticut and Penn State. But um, I also... um, I had an opportunity to work in government, and these were the days there was a program called a Presidential Executive Interchange Program, and I was a special assistant to the Secretary of the Treasury, and I had an opportunity to run a, I was a, um, essentially there as a consumer advocate, and my job was to run a program designed to make sure that the consumer point of view was represented and reflected in Treasury decisions. It was a, I was apolitical, but it was a, an important part of a, a very heavy political period in Washington.
1: How has that experience helped to grow you personally and then also as a business person?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, before I I had that treasury job, I, was, I did my Ph.D. in business and its environment, or business and public policy. And this was post-Vietnam, my Ph.D. focus, and when the entire United States was really reflecting very heavily on issues of social policy, and I went to the University of Pittsburgh, which was one of two or three universities in the country at that time, really focusing a Ph.D. opportunity on business and its broader environment, and I don't mean green environment necessarily, I mean broad environment, and so for me, it was just a marvelous opportunity. It was three years of, of bliss, really, to, to, to go away and do a Ph.D. in that field, so I guess that said something about my interest anyhow, and then it was natural that I would return to IBM in public affairs work with that kind of background. But that kind of background gave me uh, the academic preparation for sure that was consistent with maybe what my 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 root instincts and uh, preferences it had always been. The Treasury work as a consumer advocate uh, meant I was truly engaged in major consumer issues. I can remember getting to know Ralph Nader pretty well, who was uh, – Major name in consumer affairs in those days, and I uh, think we did some good in the in that year at treasury department and It meant too that, as I returned to the corporate environment and then subsequently to the in back to the university environment, that I could, with some credentials now really stay tuned to the social policy public policy issue issues of social responsibility things of that sort were were large part of my public affairs responsibility.
1: Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com.
0: Neptune Nights, we're feeling fine. We're staying cool on Hawaiian time. Neptune Nights, the sunshine in your mouth.
1: For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party, or like business, contact Bubble had. Tea Supply at two 948 2622 or online at bubbletea.com. Neptune Nice, the, the sun
0: in your mouth. How do you sell this company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion?
3: Find out at greatergoodradio.com.
1: Who donates 6% of sales to make more money?
3: Find out at greatergoodradio.com.
0: How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than
1: 10 years?
3: Find out at greatergoodradio.com.
1: Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief?
3: Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. greatergoodradio.com.
1: You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is John Webster, director of the Hogan Entrepreneur Program at Chaminade University. In 2005, John contributed in elevating the condition of Hawaii's homeless by writing and distributing a 12-page brochure encouraging Hawaii businesses to hire homeless workers. John, could you tell us a little bit about this brochure, this 12-page brochure encouraging businesses to hire homeless?
2: Yeah, Carrie, uh, you know, um I think perhaps you've seen some of our material, but one of the things we say about the Hogan program is that we're doing business things that make social sense and social things that make business sense. And, and so as we said at the beginning of the program, we're really trying to address serious business activity and serious social activity and make sure they both relate to one another. And so the homeless, uh, brochure you allude to is uh, an example of that. Thanks to the generosity of, of the Hogan Foundation and the Hogan family, we're able to engage in some things other than just classroom work. I had been um, at a, a meeting of the Chamber of Commerce when Governor Lingle chose to use her time before about a thousand people to talk about the homeless issue. And I can remember going back to, to my office after that saying, my God, She could have been talking about a lot of economic issues, but she chose the homeless issue. I found that quite interesting and used that as an opportunity to say, why don't we get engaged in in our program? Because our students have to do 25 hours of community service each year. That's a fundamental requirement in the program. Mm -hmm. And as I say, many of them instinctively are already tuned to the notion of wanting to engage in social policy activities. And so the notion was, "Why we could only do something modest, of course, but... If the labor market was getting short, and if the economy was on the upswing as it was this two years ago, uh, the idea of giving a brochure to business that would help them hire the homeless, not only prod them, but give them some of the information they need relative to benefits derived, et cetera, on how to get that job done. So we put out this little modest brochure that you alluded to, sent it out to 1,100 small businesses, and said... You know, if you're inclined, we'd certainly encourage you to read this and hire the homeless. But then we went out and we brought the homeless in and we had a young man working with us, a man named Sam Edwards, who is a counselor to homeless veterans. And we went out to the beaches and rounded up homeless people and brought them on a Saturday morning. And we had our students and Sam Edwards working with those people from the beaches to help develop some interview and grooming skills. And while there we had a student work with them and we wrote their resumes while there we took their pictures and then we and we gave them a little portfolio to carry it in and we gave them twenty copies of a new resume now this was a small group first time five students i mean five students from the beach but these homeless people literally lived on the beach so we gave them twenty copies of the resume but more importantly we then sent that resume out to uh... all the businesses on our eleven hundred list that had zip codes in the Y and I area where they happen to be coming from. And I'm pleased to say that we think all five of them are employed. Certainly we know that four of them are. And one of our, you know, I I didn't mention earlier, but related to this, we have about 35 members of a very distinguished advisory board. A lot of the, some of them are people you've already had on your program. And one of them is Lane Miralko, the head of Big City Diner. Lane has hired uh, at least two uh, of the homeless people that we're talking about. And so it's just exciting to see that happening. As soon as we kick off this new academic year, we're going to try to bring in more, maybe about 20. We're using the same young man to pull them together, this time probably from the Waikiki area, and engage the students in in training them. So it's it's just a wonderful activity. The students have fully endorsed that and enjoyed being part of that. Are you
1: able to give our listeners any advice of as you said your mantra of business and social responsibility working hand in hand for both to be successful could you give us some advice why
2: well you know from a career of having worked in these areas and having studied these areas uh, going back to my early academic work at my phd i've i've obviously followed this quite closely i wish i could give you lots of hard data i can't but for sure uh the data that exists and and the testimony that exists suggests that over the long haul the the companies that are socially responsible and that are truly engaged in social activity are the ones that uh, survive and i I do believe that uh, I say the hard data is a little d- difficult to demonstrate, and as I always talk to my students when I teach business ethics and related topics, one doesn't have to be ethical to make money, but I like to think that one has to be ethical. To stay in business over the long haul and to provide goods and services that its various constituents really expect and demand and so I through this program we're just trying to take one small group of students and make sure they don't forget that lesson as they leave one small school called Chaminade and and that's really what we're trying to do you know um, we also have a a business plan competition for the nonprofit sector now again not only because not because we're only focused on nonprofit, but again because of our mantra here and because of the fact that the University of Hawaii already had a very good business plan competition in the for profit area, so we thought maybe we could pave some new ground. At the time we offered our first business plan competition, we were only aware of Yale having run a similar competition. And so we did it. We had first time round we had uh almost a hundred nonprofits submit. Our winner won $15,000. Bank of Hawaii endorsed it with us. It was a Bank of Hawaii Hogan plan. They went on to compete in the Yale competition, came in second place, and won another
0: $20,000. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host Evan Leong and Carrie Leong saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio Hawaii.